Welcome to Podvant Guard. I am Andrea Gazetta. I'm Katrina Davis. And I'm Jordan Lee Williams. And today we are covering a boss bitch who is a pioneer, a rebel, and a free spirit. Her work revolutionized the way we think about women's bodies and art and absolutely paved the way for female artists like Jenny Seville to look at the female form with new honesty. Like most artists we cover, she's far from perfect, but in so many ways, her bravery at a time when rampant misogyny kept many female artists out of the limelight is definitely worth admiring. Today, we're covering Suzanne Valadon. What's up? I'm so excited. I love her so much. Yeah, she's pretty cool. Uh, I'm going to get into some sources real quick. We have Suzanne Valadon in Philadelphia, model turned exceptional painter in the Financial Times. We have the Suzanne Valadon biography, Encyclopedia of World Biographies, Suzanne Valadon, artsy.org, Suzanne Valadon, and Suzanne Valadon's Wikipedia entry, of course. Um, yeah, she's pretty cool. I wanted to cover her because uh, Jordan's sweet episode last week inspired me to cover someone that I think is actually pretty cool instead of someone I'm going to yell at the whole time. So <laughs> I, I guess I'm going to feel like what it feels like to care about a character. I don't know. Andrea, is Ooh. this your attempt at being art positive? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it is. I think that it, it is bizarre that I love art, but I like don't love art history for the most part because I'm like, fuck these people. But this also has some moments in it like that, but it's not really her fault. It's everyone else's fault. Um, but we'll get into it. So no, and I, I think that's a completely fair way to react to art history. I do think you would enjoy it more if you looked at people that you liked instead of uh, us just yelling about what a dick Jackson Pollock is. <laughs> Here's the thing. I've been going to therapy and my therapist agrees with you. She thinks that we all need to focus <laughs> on more positive things and if we spend our time thinking about more positive things we will be more positive people whatever uh <laughs> what a nerd what a nerd but i guess we'll try it uh so born on september 23rd 1865 as marie clementine valadon in bessinet sur gartan in france Quick, wow. I, here's nice. okay. I asked Good a friend. Job, Andrea. <laughs> I asked a friend how to pronounce this. I think I got it close. I tried for this one. I'm not gonna try for most of the rest of them because there are too many. France, you have all these hyphenated names and you don't use most of your vowels. This is gonna be tricky, but we're, I'm gonna give it my best. Okay. I feel like the key to speaking French is talking through your neck. Like it really, you have to really get in there and like. That oh. totally makes sense. I, the only French I know is Lise de Compétent, which the mean cousin says in the beginning of Home Alone. So <laughs> that's that and Muzzy. Je suis la jeune fille. That's the only French I know. <laughs> Here's the thing. I feel like the key to speaking French is just to ignore half the letters and hope for the best. Absolutely. 
but yeah, I also don't really speak French, but we'll see what's up. Um, no, I'm I'm very impressed already on that. Ooh. So her mother, Madeline, which I bring up because that's my middle name and I think it's dope. Uh, her mother, Madeline, was an unmarried laundress and her father was most likely a young man who worked at a nearby mill and was killed soon after her birth. Mm. Oh, pretty rough. How? In just some regular old French way? Or was there like a war going on? Regular well, old French way. Well, it's the 18, it's the mid-1800s and he's working in a mill. So he probably ended up getting crushed in a just mill piece error. of equipment. Yeah. 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 Just a regular super, mill. Death. Super maimed probably in a horrible way. Uh, Fair enough. But at yeah. least everybody still got their prepackaged bread. but you're right about their you're right about their names also andrea uh madeline clementine i'm into these (laughs) (laughs) they're pretty cute um at age five madeline moved the family to montmartre the bohemian quarter of paris partially to escape the stigma of having a child out of wedlock um their tiny wait i have to I can't see my screen because my eyes are small. Hold on. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> That's not a sentence. I said my um, eyes are small, but I meant the words I are small. I don't think the size of your eyes has to do with it. <laughs> Can we please leave this in? Oh, you think I'm taking that out? No way. Sorry, I can't read. My eyes are too small. I feel like we would have known if that was a condition you had already, Andrea. If you were literally eye literate. She's like an unfinished portrait where instead of eyes, they just put two little dots. My eyes are actually like the Kardashians. They're big but useless. So that's what I was thinking too, is Andrea. You don't have small eyes. What are you even talking about? They're very big, but they don't do you much. You have like a Zoe Deschanel eyes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're like a nocturnal Zoe Deschanel. They're just giant, and you don't really use them to see that much. I'm. I'm so I'm almost legally blind. Like my prescription is so high that the government pays for my contacts. Like that's wow. You're a hazard. (laughs) You have the state makes you see for OSHA regulations. That's how blind you are. Like I'm not supposed to drive at night. It's a whole problem. Um, (laughs) So anyway. So in Paris, uh, Tiny Veladon rubbed shoulders with <laughs> artists, prostitutes, and pimps, and generally roamed unsupervised. She said of her childhood, quote, the streets of Montmartre were home to me. It was only in the streets that there was excitement and love in ideas, what other children found around their dining room tables. Mm. So kind of sad. <laughs> kind yeah. of a bummer. Because wait, what was her mom like? It sounds, I mean, from what it sounds like, her mom was just constantly working, trying to support the family. So she was just kind of out and about most of the time. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. I've been having vertigo. And uh, I got really dizzy and then was trying to drink some coffee and missed. (laughs) Wait, and missed your tiny throat? Or... (laughs) 
Paladon, I thought you were talking about Chewie. <laughs> uh, which oh would have made more a little more sense. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. This, I'm so sorry. This is how we die. No. It's just laughing. <laughs> trying to drink on a podcast. Um so she was a precocious child. She had a lot of energy. She was well-liked. She had a vivid imagination. And she was prone to telling stories to suit her needs. Uh, she kind of would make stuff up. So she also made up that her dad was like a famous writer. Like she would just kind of like tell tales as a kid a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, by age nine, she had taught herself to draw and would draw on scraps of paper she could find, uh, walls of her house, she would draw on the pavement. <laughs> She's kind of the worst. Uh, if she, you know, if this was your kid, you'd be like, "Hey, let me get you a sketchbook," you know. But she's just like a poor little street urchin roaming around, and she would use anything she could find. She'd use a stub of pencil, a lump of coal, whatever. And her subjects were mostly. She's like an Aladdin of illustration. She's just like <laughs> yeah. street ratting around. Riff raff, street rat. I can draw that. yeah and her subjects are pretty much whatever she saw around her flowers dogs trees people she wanted to draw everything uh she once said of her childhood quote solitude suited me so that gives you an idea of how she was as a kid um she attended school that yeah me too i was definitely that kind of kid as well where i'm just like i leave me the fuck alone that would be great thank you (laughs) she attended school for a few years but took a job in a milliner's workshop at age 11 to help support her family pretty standard what is a milliner uh i think it's i don't oh god i just assumed it was like i'm sorry (laughs) shit i don't know what is a milliner I don't know. I, I just wanted a mill too. Dude, uh, I'm so glad you asked, Jordan. It's a person who oh, makes or sells who? women's hats. I didn't know what it was. I thought it was oh. a mill. <laughs> wow. Nice. So a hat maker. Here's the thing, and this is why you should always Google words you don't know. Because someone's gonna ask. Um I just it just popped into my head because it wasn't Will uh Will Merker. It wasn't Mill Worker. And so I was like, huh, I wonder what a milliner is. No, that milliner, I had no idea. I what barely that was. know her. <laughs> my tiny throat can't take these jokes, Katrina. <laughs> I know I'm a smoker, so I am just gonna be like hack laughing for the rest of the episode now. So when she was 15, she became an acrobat in the Molière Circus, a job that she instantly fell in love with. Unfortunately, or fortunately for us, after only six months, she fell from the trapeze while practicing, injuring her oh, back God. and very nearly ending her life. Oh God. How is this not a Disney movie? Right? Like what? Well, you'll find out why it's not a Disney movie real soon. Ooh, okay. Although she later healed, she would never perform in the circus again. This is when Marie Clementine Valadon sent her sights on becoming a serious artist. Now, unlike contemporaries like Mary Cassatt and Berthe Marisot, Valadon was not born into privilege and did not have the means to afford art lessons. 
Instead, as a beautiful young girl with blue eyes and cognac-colored curls, she used what she had to gain her access into the art world, her body. As soon as she recovered from her fall, Valadon went to Place Piguet, a public square where men, women, and children would gather on Sunday afternoons so that the Montmartre artists could choose them to be models. It was here that 56-year-old Pouvie de Chavon, a well-respected artist at this time, first spotted the, quote, prematurely voluptuous, end quote, 15-year-old Valadon and decided to use her as his model. Yeah, wait, uh, whose quote was that? Uh, yeah, so this is how she was described in some of the the things that I read about her. It sounds like this is what the art historian is saying, but I think okay. it's more like this is what Siobhan is kind of saying in a way, because mm-hmm. uh, he's kind of a gross old man. So in a lot of the sources I read, it said that she and Siobhan were lovers, but I think that's a nice way of saying that this was a time when young models were not in a position to say no to the sexual advances of their patrons, the people that hired them. So I'm going to throw to Jordan real quick. If you want to talk about the relationship between artist and model at this time and sort of the stigma of being an artist model. Yeah, so uh, we've already brought up Mary Cassatt in this episode, and she was well-to-do. And so the paintings that she did of women and children, these are people that societally and socially acceptably she would have access to. So all of her paintings are about women, and as an unmarried woman, that's who she's painting because that's who she has access to. So to be a man's artist model as a woman generally meant you were taking your clothes off for him to paint. And that is super frowned upon at the time. Um, Women were actually not accepted into art schools because there were nude models. And that's been a pretty consistent uh, thread going very far back. is because women weren't supposed to see the nude form and there were going to be naked people. Well, and also being an artist model at this time, you're pretty much just considered a prostitute. Like they're equated as the same. And often if you're an artist model, the men painting you are taking liberties with you in a physical way that, is consensual kind of you know like it's There's saying a power that this... dynamic that yeah be talked about especially because she was only 15 right and he's 56 yeah and she's also uh from a poorer class and an unmarried mother at the time so this would have meant that she was considered essentially untouchable within the society. Uh, Well, she's not a mother yet because she's only 15. But her mother was a single mother. Oh, yeah. Exactly. So she's from an unmarried woman. And so she's getting the stigma Mm. of that attached to her as well. Yeah. So it's not great, but this is kind of how she gets her start. And this is... This is the access that she had. This is the way that she thought 
she could be part of the art world and learn about art from the position as a model. And I want to say I did the exact same thing when I went to college. I actually, my first year in school, I was not allowed, uh, freshmen weren't allowed to take figure drawing classes. Um, But I saw some posters in the hallway that were like, hey, do you want to make $12 an hour? And I was like, fuck yeah, because minimum (laughs) wage was five. So I actually did artist modeling when I was a freshman in college and when my dad found out, he called and offered to pay me not to do it. Oh, my God. <laughs> Which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> Which is funny because, like, I was, I mean, I wasn't even, I wasn't modeling for anyone, like, that was good at drawing. Like, I was modeling for the beginner's class at the community college. Like, it, it was fine. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Like, no one's going to recognize me. Like, these people can't draw that well. It's fine. It's totally fine. So (laughs) it was whatever. But I did learn a lot about art just by you can learn a lot from how the teachers speak about how to look at things, how to think about light and shadow, and also just seeing Mm. the way that people around you are drawing. It is really valuable. Um yeah, I actually go to a figure drawing class now that is super useful. You go to a figure oh, drawing nice. class, Katrina? Yeah, sometimes on Sundays. That's Hi, so pal. fun. It's great. It's a it's a studio in Melrose. Oh, that sounds amazing. Awesome. I love that. So at one point during her relationship, quote unquote, with Siobhan, Veladon showed him her drawings. The unimpressed Siobhan said, quote, you are a model, not an artist. <laughs> Do you guys? Did I nail it? Is he? Is he, is he the? Is he? Is he the mole from Atlantis? <laughs> These are my piles of dirt. He is actually a the mean brother of the candlestick in the Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> So he's very critical. Yeah. Do not uh, be our guest. Nowhere near as supportive <laughs> as the one that gets fresh with that feather duster. I had the biggest crush on that feather duster as a child, just by the way. Right? She Whoa. Was so she was gorgeous. Oh my gosh. I do remember being obsessed with like being like that feather duster looks soft as hell. Like yeah. I... Why was she so sexy? Like, why? <laughs> They're a couple. They, I, we should make a meme of that, that like hot couple third thing where we just notice you across the bar, but it's just the candlestick <laughs> and the feather duster from Beauty and the Beast. Oh my god! I love that so much. Oh my god! I'll make it. <laughs> we're, we're hunting from our for our unicorn, and it's a clock. Um. <laughs> So, yeah, so uh, he was kind of a dick about it. And after she modeled for him, she next started modeling for the 40-year-old Renoir, portraying the feminine ideal. And Oh, yeah. No, it's bougie. Oh, actually, here, I want to show you guys. I'm going to pull it up and screen share. Oh, yes, please. I love this painting. So this first image is probably one of the first drawings of Suzanne. This is done by Siobhan. Um, And this is her nude. You can kind of see the way that he's rendering her 
it's very feminine it's very soft and here is a painting one of the earliest paintings by Renoir of her and it's called dance in the city I love this one it's really sweet it's really pretty this one is probably one of my favorite ones um it's just called Suzanne Braden oh yeah I do like this one but you can see how her features are idealized. Like she's very, she's, I mean, she is voluptuous and like soft, but they're also painting her in this like very feminine and soft way. Um, yeah. And in but a lot of in ways, these photos, like, you can tell that she looks soft and like, like you said, they're accentuating. I don't know how, like, did um, you hear that? No, what? It sounded like a, gun no what? that was over there oh i think it's just okay i just wanted to make sure it didn't come up come up on the mic i have new neighbors moving in and they're they i don't know and they shot something. someone yeah, <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry what um, were you gonna say katrina oh she does look very uh in terms of not it, it is like i guess voluptuous but she looks very like plump like she looks like yeah full yeah and like cherubic almost but she still looks super young you can tell in these paintings that she's someone that like a 56 year old person shouldn't be dating just saying like she's also painted in a way that you're like oh what a beautiful painting of a young girl <laughs> absolutely like she's clearly still very much a child um yes but i think what is interesting to notice too is just when you when we see the way that men are painting her i think it's going Mm. to be in stark contrast to the way that she paints herself later on and i think it's an important difference um so i just want you guys to keep that in mind Ooh, okay um because a lot of the male artists would sort of like tweak her body to make it more sexual and more feminine Mm. and she kind of wasn't into that uh but (laughs) although she would later call him quote all brushes and no heart end quote Valadon modeled (laughs) and had an affair with Renoir from the ages of 17 to 22 Um, so he painted that one of the dance paint was painted like I was like oh he liked her a lot oh absolutely uh again she's still a child pretty much and he's 40 right at this time in her life valadon was wild and known for stunts like sliding down the banister of a popular club wearing only a mask i love her so nice (laughs) (laughs) right she's so cool valadon van wilder (laughs) yeah it's uh she's pretty sweet she's a pretty that's like some rule the school type ish sliding down a banister being like yeah like that's like spring break (laughs) energy absolutely well she was just i mean from her whole childhood she was basically unsupervised so it's like yeah this makes sense this totally makes sense yeah she was Um, like oh do people with parents not slide down banisters wearing nothing but a mask i would not know yeah what the fuck (laughs) uh when she was 17, Valadon became pregnant. She seemed unsure of who the father was, but suspects included Chevan, Renoir, a man named Miguel Utrio, and an unknown bohemian named Boise. And I personally, here, I'm going to show you guys. Uh, Boise. 
is the name. Yeah, just one name. I just like one it. name. Like Beyonce. <sighs> I don't know what, why, but this is them. So personally, I think that her son looks most like Renoir. Or Renoir, I guess. Renoir. But so you can see this is her son as an adult. Oh, okay. This is her. Okay. Right. Now, which of these two guys do you think he looks more like? Yeah, he well, mm. Here's the thing, he had taking his mustache out of the equation, he super looks more like the far right, the farthest right. You think right. so? Okay. I would think so in his eyes and stuff. His eyes feel more like Renoir to me, but the ears I'm like, okay, maybe. You know what I mean? It's hard his to tell. Nose, his nose looks more like the guy on the far. On the far right. I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to say. But this guy. Here's the thing. He, Renoir is hot. He yes. doesn't look as hot as Renoir does. He looks That's more true. like the guy on the right to me. Okay. Like if you took away his mustache, if you took away her son's mustache, I yeah. think he would look more like the less hot one. Because also Renoir could super fuck like clearly he's also a creep because she was 17 but like wow <laughs> Renoir like borderline looks like the guy I lost my virginity to like can you please close your Damn. screen thank you so much okay so you guys you heard it here first Renoir can get it that's a direct quote from Katrina Ga Davis totally get it I wish I was a voluptuous 17 year old French girl uh <laughs> Don't we all, girl? Uh, <laughs> dude, I just want to be unattended in Paris and voluptuous. <laughs> that would be pretty sick. I just want one of those dresses where it's like my tits are falling out. Like, I just, I want it like a cascade of tits. That's what I want. You to be. do, <laughs> you do um give off the energy of the era of people's tits spilling out andrea i just want my tits to spill out i want to faint on a couch <laughs> like let's do it um honestly to i'll carry the beer <laughs> <laughs> to modernize the look andrea all you'd need is a selkie dress and then you would absolutely look like uh one of these models but now yeah, corset tops are back, Andrea. We can talk about it afterwards. We can get this look going real easy. You do right not now. understand how badly I want a selkie dress and how badly I do not have $300 to spend on a dress. <laughs> on a silky oh, dress. I look at their dresses like twice a week and go, maybe Me eventually. Too. So, yeah, same. I'm like, if I sell a really expensive painting, I'm going to buy a silky dress. Uh, anyway, so... On December 26, 1883, at the age of 18, she gave birth to her first and only son, Maurice. Wow, wow. Oh, no. <laughs> Wait, is Maurice the Joker? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is he a Joker? Watch your small throat go, you guys. I love it. So funny. <laughs> so unsure of who Maurice's father was, he was initially Christian Maurice Avadon, but he would later take the name Utrio in 1891 when Miguel Utrio claimed parentage. So he eventually is like, <laughs> I think that's my boy. Um, yeah. Wait, so that was the farthest right guy was like, that's yeah. my kid? Yeah. He saw those right ears. Guy. 
<laughs> he was like, those are my ears probably um so valadon gave her son to her mother to raise and returned to modeling pretty much immediately she would model for Renoir a little bit more. She would also eventually take up with Henri de Toulouse-Lautrec, who is also a oh. lover, quote unquote, of hers. I mean, at this point, she's more of an adult. She's had a child. I feel like her relationship with Toulouse-Lautrec is a little bit more consensual um, than some of her previous relationships with older artists had been. Mm-hmm. And unlike his predecessors. What? Sorry, go ahead, Jordan. Can I say a mean thing? Oh, yeah. Go ahead. He was also like three feet tall, so she could just throw him (laughs) if she needed to. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, look, as someone who almost exclusively dated tiny men until very recently, um, yeah, sometimes it's nice to date someone small because you're like, if I can arm wrestle you, uh, I feel safe. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I've definitely been in relationships where people were like, that guy's crazy. And I was like, yeah, but I can take him. (laughs) It's fine. (laughs) It's chill. Oh, my God. I can carry his body back from the bar. It's whatever. Um, (laughs) And unlike his predecessors, Toulouse-Lautrec saw Veladon's drawings and actually encouraged her to do more. Around this time, she was mostly doing pencil and pastel drawings. She was still a little too intimidated by oil paints to make an attempt without instruction and most likely did not have financial access to that level of material. Um, Her subject matter at this time is mostly people and street scenes. And I'm going to show you one of my favorites. It's called Grandmother, and it's an image of her bathing her son. Or actually, it's... Actually, I'm going to show you this. I lied. I'm going to show you this one. It's called self-portrait. It's, so this is her self-portrait in, from 1883. And I think it might be one of her early. I think this is pastels. It's She's now, at this point, been around painting so long as a model. And to think about not being able to just like take a brush when you went home or whatever. Like, can you yeah. like pay me a dollar less and give me some paint or whatever it is to be that close to it, to like smell it and still not be able to actually paint yourself. Seems really frustrating. Yeah. It's really hard. And I mean, her look at the way that she sees herself. She's using these sort of like thick lines. She's got eyebrows for days. Um, you know, she's I mean, she handling. definitely focuses on her stronger features more in terms of the things. And she is, I guess, a, a closer to an adult woman at this point. Also, they were painting like a 15 year old, but she does look more like she focused on her, her eyes strength. having intent and things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, her she's not demurely looking away. She's not posing in a way that is in any way sexual or soft. She looks strong as fuck and she's looking straight at the viewer. And I think this is mm-hmm. a really important thing is I think her personality was strong. I think her paintings were strong. And I think she showed strength in women at a time when it was not considered a positive trait for a woman to have. So I think that's what's pretty cool about her. So Toulouse-Lautrec also encouraged her to change her name from Marie Clementine to Suzanne. 
after the biblical story of Suzanne and the elders. That's when Suzanne Veladon was born. Do you guys know the story of Suzanne and the elders? I was about to say, no, what did Suzanne do us? with the elders? Oh, but I will. So basically, <laughs> in this Bible story, two creepy old dudes see a woman bathing. They try to pressure her into sex. And when she says no, they arrest her and accuse her of being a whore, which is classic guy shit. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh, Art- Artemisia did a painting. Yes. Yeah. Artemisia yeah, Genileschi also did a painting <laughs> featuring the story. Um She's later proven innocent, and those two dudes get murdered for lying. So, which also, what? Yeah, the idea of her winning that in the Bible is like unprecedented. But I think this is such a perfect name for her because at this time she's a model. She basically, in many ways, is considered a prostitute. But it is a powerful. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, uh, Katrina. I was just saying, like you were saying before, whether she was participating in that way or not, societally, people were looking at her that way. So Exactly. And I think that the name Suzanne is especially powerful because it's a way of like she's taking her feminine power back and sort mm-hmm. of like that story lends her strength. And she was just a very yeah. strong person. Any story, any biblical story where the woman wins is probably a strong name. Like Pretty that's fucking great. dope. So in 1890, Veladon met the reclusive Edgar Degas. Upon seeing her work, he exclaimed, quote, you are one of us. Hell yeah. That's so nice. Yeah, it was really sweet. Um, Degas was actually one of... Valadon's first supporters he encouraged her he bought 17 of her drawings and hung them up amongst his Cezannes and Gauguin's and Van Gogh's so like he just takes this girl who is still just an artist model drawing in her spare time and he's like no you belong here and puts her up with masters in his home oh wow and under his tutelage Valadon did her first oil paintings and etchings I'm going to show you one of the etchings because I think it's really sweet. This is the one that I, she, so she did a drawing earlier of this and it's clear. This is one of her first etchings because there's a mistake in it. And I want you guys to see it. So this it's called grandmother bathing. So this is her mother bathing her son. And you can see that she's like wiping the towel on his arm. It's just like a line drawing. Mm Mm-hmm. But you can see that she did a Ricky oh. move, which is she signed her name. But when it, <laughs> you sign your name, when you print, when you print the, the engraving, it prints backwards. So her name and the date are backwards. And then she signed oh. it below. So it's just, I don't know. There's something very sweet about it because not only is this a very intimate moment of like her mother bathing her son, but then it kind of brings up this sort of naivety. Like you can see that yes. she's learning. Yeah. yeah. And there's, I love that. I think it's really sweet. I like that a lot. So Degas was the first artist to kind of take her in as an artist, not a model. Basically. Yeah. He's like, I just want to, he's like, I'll just teach you stuff and I'm not going to try to nice. fuck you. Like, let's just hang out. <laughs> It like, was... no, seriously, I won't. I'm, like, an adult <laughs> and everything. Yeah, it, it's really funny, too. So one of the one of the articles I read said, said uh, it was 
bizarre that Degas took such a liking to Veladon because, quote, it was unusual for him to make new friends, end quote. (laughs) (laughs) Which I was like, same, bro. Like, yeah, it's hard to make new friends. I get it, dude. Like... (laughs) (laughs) Well, he also, Degas was such a weird dude. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. The gen that makes it that much more genuine where he's like, fuck you, God, no, I barely like you. Like, I'll teach you stuff. Relax. <laughs> she might have been too old for Dega at this point, which is why he didn't try to fuck her. Cause oh, no. He, was he, he a liked, pedophile? From everything that I've read, he liked those little ballerinas. He never acted oh, on it from no. what I read, but... She, there was, it was very odd that he spent so much time at those dance studios. Oh my God, of course. He liked the, she might have been too um, adult looking with how voluptuous she was. Uh-huh. Well, yeah. I Even thought this 15, was sweet. He was like, get this adult looking 15 year old out of here. Gross. It's really upsetting when the most, uh, like the sweetest character to your heroine turns out to be a pedophile, but I guess that's where we're at. Spoiler alert. There are no heroes. (laughs) Oh no. Uh, well that's a bummer. (laughs) Yeah. So it's like, uh, Oh man, that's funny. Let me see. Cause now I want to, Oh, oh, that just made What are we sadder. entering the pedophile okay. speculation zone? Uh, no, well, kind of. It's it's very sad because Degas, his paintings are beautiful. His sculptures are beautiful. It is uh, speculated that, because it, it was odd that he spent so much time uh, at dance studios because those ballet studios are generally like, eight to 12 you know what I mean and yeah. uh yeah so I don't I don't know how uh ew. I'd have to actually go in and do some more research to back my claim up but from everything that I have read and studied in my degree potential well possible pedophile Diga uh really encouraged Valadon <laughs> And <laughs> way to bring it back, Andre. Good job. If there aren't heroes, there aren't heroes. It's okay. But in this instance, it was with his help and encouragement that Suzanne Valadon became the first woman to show at the Societe Nationale des Beaux Arts in 1894. So, oh. huge achievement for women, honestly. And thanks to that cool pedophile, uh, take a <laughs> alleged. He might just isolate on we... it. <laughs> yeah, Can we isolate. Thanks for that cool pedophile. Thank you. So much. <laughs> um... Oh no, that's gonna be the hottest TikTok sound of 2022. Oh, thanks for that cool pedophile. Uh, so in 1896, she at this point, she's had several different kinds of lovers. Um, she was carrying on with a famous composer who proposed marriage and she turned him down. But in 1896, she succumbs to the proposal of one of her many lovers and marries the wealthy stockbroker, Paul Mus- Musi. Paul Musi. 
It's M O U S I S. Idea, the way that you word moose. It, Wait, what? <laughs> oh, yeah. I thought his last name was Moose. It's M O U S I S. Moose is M O U. Oh, okay. That's some French bullshit. I have no idea. Moose. Moose. No, I wanted him to be like a frat boy, like Moose. Yo, Moose, what's up? Did you bring the keg? <laughs> yes, Moose is like the bouncer at all of the parties, but he's Moosey, which is also great, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, what were yeah. you saying, Jordan? Yeah. Oh, I just love the way you worded that, that she succumbed to his proposal. <laughs> I mean, pretty much, because she was just like, look, I'm tired. This is rough. Um, and, you know, she had started these multiple affairs with multiple men. So she, I think, was just like, this sounds like some financial stability. And I'm cool with that, I guess. But like their relationship was kind of rocky the whole time. Um, But with this marriage, she finally did have the financial stability to quit modeling and devote herself full time to painting, which is my dream. So if anyone wants to propose marriage to me, hit me up in my DMs. No, please don't. That was a joke. Please you need you need more of like a Vincent and Teo arrangement where you just <laughs> yeah. you send them letters and they send you art supplies. Is there an OnlyFans that will pay me in art supplies? This is what I want. Um, <laughs> it's fine. Only paints. Only paints. <laughs> yeah, only paints. Let's do it. Uh, at this point. We start to see Veladon's distinctive style emerge because she's actually able to practice her craft regularly. As an artistic outsider, she never fully belonged to a specific academic group, although her work most closely aligns with the symbolists and the post-impressionists. But she used a lot of bold line, color, and pattern in her work. One critic declared that she painted, quote, with an energy unheard of in a woman. End quote. <laughs> Which is pretty I am hilarious. Loving, <laughs> I am loving your uh, various voices on this one today. <laughs> yeah. I'm having a good time. Okay. Uh, it, okay. It's coming across. It I love it. <laughs> Well, the um, inner the energy to paint. I love when they're just like women get tired so easily. <laughs> like they just treat us like puppies. Like seriously, <laughs> they can play for like forty five minutes tops, and they're gonna go down. Like I, the energy to paint. <laughs> yeah, it's because our tits are almost constantly falling out of our dress. Like we can barely breathe. We're fainting. Like if you can paint an entire painting, you're a very strong woman. That is true in terms of them thinking like, yeah, women are strong whenever they can manage to force enough oxygen into their brains through these whalebone corsets. That does take strength. <laughs> I will. I'll admit that. Pretty much. Uh, she also something that was interesting about her is she did not paint in ink or watercolor because these mediums were, quote, too fluid, end quote, for her, which I thought was really funny because like if you've ever painted in watercolor, it is for me personally a very difficult medium because you can't really fuck up and it just runs everywhere and it's hard to mm-hmm. paint over. So like if you're someone who's kind of a control freak and yes, 
likes to like be able to control every aspect of everything and change your mind about where lines go uh watercolor is not your shit and i'm like her and so i identify with the sentiment (laughs) no as soon as you said it i was like yeah hard lines dark this goes here and it does not move like that's what her paintings look like exactly (laughs) no i only do watercolor and i actually i do like a (laughs) a heathen's version of acrylic uh, because I paint on fabric and so I take acrylic Mm. and if you don't water it down to the point that it is it is as thin and liquid as watercolor it will crack so even acrylic paint I just dump it in water and that's how I paint you're almost creating a stain more than a paint at that you know what I mean like you're staining the fabric that's exactly what it is. <laughs> Little known fact, Jordan actually only paints with tears. She's cried on episodes. So. <laughs> she just has buckets conserved <laughs> and stored. The salt uh, really adds the uh, the various textures that I'm looking exactly. for. Actually, watercolor with salt does look pretty dope. It looks like little snowflakes. Try it. It's, it's very fun. cool. Um, oh yeah, I have um, a painting. Oh, not with tears, with salt. <laughs> I mean, I hope that's. <laughs> yeah, you know, just a, a cry painting. Um, so Valadon mostly painted working class women. She reinvented a lot of old master themes. She did, you know, women bathing, reclining nudes, etc., and. It's probably just because she used to be part of this class. So she felt really comfortable. This is something that Jordan was talking about earlier. Um, she painted people really honestly, too. She didn't sexualize her figures. She didn't include a lot of trappings of wealth. And she created women that were self-possessed in a time when women were not seen that way. So that's, to me, the coolest part of the way that she painted and the subject matter she chose. Um as Valadon was finding herself artistically, her son, Maurice Atrio, was struggling with, quote, mental problems, end quote. Mm. Basically, in 1904, he was committed to a mental hospital to treat his alcoholism. And it sounds like severe depression. And, um, it you know, they didn't say, like, oh, he's having visions or anything. But it just sounded like he had a really bad alcohol problem and was very depressed. So to aid in his healing, Valadon encouraged him to paint. So she started giving her 20-year-old son lessons as a means of therapy. And around this time, she started neglecting her own painting, focusing pretty much just on her son's condition and her rapidly deteriorating marriage. Um, In 1906, Valadon met a painter friend of her son's, 23-year-old Andre Uter and started an affair with him. And how old is she? 44. She was 44. Uh Her son is 20. Her boyfriend is 23. What they didn't mention was that he was modeling for her. Yeah. Even more so what happened to her. Pretty much. She's kind of repeating. I don't actually know if he was modeling for her. Jordan, stop! I believed you. (laughs) No, no, but he... (laughs) You have to look, use joke cadence, Jordan. That just sounded like a fact. <laughs> he kind of did, though, because. Oh. 
in a real Stella got her groove back moment, she called him a renewal of life. Ooh. Oh my goodness. With Uter's prodding, she returned more seriously to her own artwork, producing many new works, including... <laughs> oh gosh, that was such a devious laugh. What the H are you about to show us? So curious. And also, I'm sure Oter did encourage her to paint oh, something oh, like, yeah, stop boinking oh. my friends and go paint. Well, no, Uter is her boyfriend. And Utrio oh, is her I son. Thought her, I thought... Oh, Uter. Sorry, say her son's name again. Her son is uh, Maurice Utrio. And her... Utrio, that's what I was thinking her of. Her boyfriend okay. is Andre Uter. So this is... Uter. Okay. Called Adam and Eve... Uh, it is the 44-year-old Suzanne Valadon and her boyfriend, Andre Uter, naked in the Garden of Eden. Yeah, it is. Full frontal. Pretty. Feet. Yeah. It's, They're good. It's great. It's pretty great. Uh, and this <laughs> is, you know, them, her son's friend. <laughs> Can you imagine being like, oh, mom, I'm really glad you're painting again. And then she shows you that and you're just like, oh, come on. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. Uh, <laughs> this is the first painting by a female artist to feature a man and woman together nude. Which is okay. what? pretty cool. Yeah. Again, like like Jordan was saying earlier, it wasn't appropriate for female artists to paint nude women. And for the most part, they didn't unless they had access to them because they were family members or they were young children whom it wasn't like weird to paint a child nude bathing. So for the most part, like dude, the lines that they had back then. So like you can be a female <laughs> nude model, but you're too delicate to paint your own form unless it's a child. What's going on? Like, yeah. <laughs> Look, unless you're super into painting tiny naked little kids and then it's totally cool. <laughs> what is like? No. Let me into an adult facility to paint other adults. You freaking weirdos. Other adults that look like me in a mirror. What? Oh my God. It's so it's the whole idea that women are like at the time, you know, this is a culture that sees women as their connections to men and as their connections to motherhood. So if you mm. are a woman who is painting acceptably you're going to be painting like Mary Cassatt, which is painting, you know, the women, the, the, the women that hang out with you as your chaperones and the women only mm. section of the opera. And you're going to be painting because you have as a woman access to children. And that is an right. acceptable thing to paint because you're supposed to be a mom. You're supposed to be. Of course, you're taking right. care of children. Of course, you're around. So it wasn't so much that the idea was, oh, let's paint all these naked babies. It was, <laughs> well, if you're a woman and you don't want to be ostracized and you don't want to be, uh, you know, really made of a, a social pariah, you are not allowed to paint naked women. You're not allowed to have you can an art paint model. Paint homemaking things. Exactly. 
I got it. And to be fair, as Andrea mentioned earlier, sometimes women's eyes are too small to see <laughs> the figures in paint. So. Oh my god! Yeah, uh, it's a <laughs> real problem. So, uh, Suzanne's just you know taking a lover twenty years younger than her, painting him nude for the whole world to see. So unsurprisingly, in 1910, Valadon officially divorced her husband. Uh, it wasn't going mm. great. Oh, who was like, heard her son yell, oh, come on, and went up the stairs and like, what are you yelling about up here? Oh, come on! And did the same thing. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, so with the wealthy benefactor out of the picture, Valadon, her lover, her son and her mother all moved in together to paint in a small house just Oof. north of Paris, surviving from the money they earned from their painting sales. What kind of weird French sitcom <laughs> did she create? Oh, and I will say about the painting in terms of the nudity and everyone thinking stuff like that is taboo. Her, like, I know that it's still her bush, but like you can see her <laughs> pubes and he's covered with a leaf. So it's even <laughs> yeah. more so like she didn't even show the male form. She showed the female part, though. Yeah. yeah oh, my so gosh. Is this them? <laughs> yes. So this is I all four of them. Love this. This is the most honest painting I have ever seen. This, oh, this painting is called Family Portrait. And basically the only two people looking at the camera. So from left to right, from left to right, we have at the left, we have Andre Uter kind of just looking hot, gazing off into the distance. More forward, we have pretty boy. He's only here for his dick. Great. Hang out. Then more forward, we have Suzanne Veladon. She is putting her fingers sort of like at her heart. So it's almost, it's a little bit provocative for her um, because she's calling more attention to sort of like her breast area a little bit. And she's looking at the like, camera. It kind of looks like some of the um, uh, Botticelli's. Yes. Yes, it's it's definitely calling to mind that sort of like feminine hand. Yeah, uh, so that it, is oh my like, gosh, which I only it. know from Clueless, but I totally <laughs> see what you're saying when she's taking a picture of Ty. Don't you think she's like one of those Botticelli chicks? Well, she's, <laughs> yes. she's doing she the same doing the hand. hand pose yeah. as the birth of Venus, and it would Absolutely. have been pretty common. Artists do that all the time where they... they absolutely are like no but look at me i'm i'm this other person like Durr did it with jesus right absolutely is she... that like the popping the knee of the time with your hand <laughs> like that's the pose yeah i mean so what what she's definitely doing is like around this time her paintings are very sexual because of her reawakened sexuality. I was about um, to say she's all horned up. She's horned <laughs> the fuck up. Well, because so, guess what? Old boy in the background on the far left also kind of looks like a young Renoir. Little bit. Little, little oh, bit. He's a, he's she a, has yeah. a type. Yeah, for sure. And uh, Would smash this painting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. 
And then the funniest part to me. So, okay. So her mom is also in the background, just kind of like being old, being present. And then her mom does look like how your mom would look if you're like, mom, be my painting. She was like, what? And then you just started painting her. (laughs) Just gave her no prep time. Just dragged her from wherever she was knitting. I was like, mom, I'm doing a painting. Come here. And she was like, you guys always forget about me. And she just painted her making whatever fucking face she was already making. That's accurate. That's pretty much what looks like happened. And then my very favorite (laughs) is in the foreground. Her son is literally he has his head on his hand in the most defeated, sad, just like my mom is fucking my friend and I'm an alcoholic shit. Just like so over this situation. And it is one of the most, I don't think I've ever seen a painting this honest from this time. <laughs> like, does she know how funny this is? I hope that she does. Cause this so. shit is hilarious. So fucking funny, dude. So good. We'll, we'll Even definitely the idea, post like it, you said, like, that like she's looking at the camera and he's looking at the camera, so she's like, and she looks very allured. Like she looks, like you said, in terms of the reawakened part, like she looks ret to go. Her <laughs> lovers next to her, not even paying attention. Like she's like, yeah. Also, this guy, literally a box of rocks, like could care less. And it's like my son, though, super upset. Like even the bummed. idea that she was. Like it's so good. It's so funny. It's it probably is my favorite painting, just because you can feel the family dynamics happening there. Yes, you can feel all of the dynamic. Even Oba being like, "Wait, what?" And it's like, "Don't worry, your pretty little head." And he's just like, literally, <laughs> shoot me in the face. <laughs> I hate this living situation so much. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty rough. Uh, in 1914, Uter volunteered for World War One. And he and Valadon got married so she could receive a military allowance as a soldier's wife. Um, so pretty cool. She just married this dude. He's only 21 years younger than her. It's totally chill. Um, in 1915, there were some ups and downs. Her mother finally passed away. And she, at age 50, had her first one-woman show. Although she sold almost nothing, Probably because it was during World War One. Um, yeah, that'll do it. That'll. It it's hard to have artistic success at a time when people are like, I might die. Like I don't want to buy a painting right now. It's hard enough to get people to go to a show now. Yeah, exactly. It's fucking hard, dude. So by the end of World War One, Maurice has been doing a bunch of landscape paintings, and they start to be in pretty high demand. So suddenly her son is outselling her work. And I'm going to show you his paintings because, I don't know, they're kind of (laughs) basic. Like, not to be mean, Maurice, I'm sure you're cool or whatever, but like, I don't know. This is him and his paintings. He's like, look, I was just trying to paint to keep from killing myself. I'm not trying to really. (laughs) Yeah, they're pretty much just like street scenes. They're just stuff he sees. He goes outside. He paints some shit like they're very. What's the word I'm looking for? They're not. I mean, they're not confrontational. They're not necessarily like trying to make any type of statement. He's just like, look, I thought this was pretty great and I painted it. And I think that in a post-World War France, it might be nice to just have a nice painting in your house. So I could see why that Mm. would be popular. 
Um, mm. But it kind of causes some problems in the household because all three of them are trying to be artists. And the only one that is really achieving a lot of financial success is the one who started doing it as therapy later in life. You know, like it wasn't necessarily his passion. He was just like, yeah, I'm going to do this so I don't kill myself. It's like if you lived in a house with three comics, but one of them was like an accidental TikTok star. Yeah. And they were just like, yeah, man, got to go to another spot of the Laugh Factory. You know how it goes. <laughs> and they were just like, I want to kill that guy. <laughs> I hate him. I hate him. He's, I hate him. Uh, yeah. It was just like, why is my mom acting so weird? And your mom's like an open micer from the mid 90s. <laughs> and you live with her and her boyfriend, who is also your friend. Yeah, it's fucking weird. <laughs> um, so in 1920, Valadon was elected to the Salon des Autons and was regularly showing to critical acclaim, but only moderate sales. But in 1924, her luck changed a little bit. Uh, Valadon and Maurice signed a joint contract with the art gallery Bernheim June for a million francs in exchange for an agreed upon amount of work. It's a lot of money. It's so much money. Yeah. A million francs in 1924. It's crazy. This financial windfall allowed the trio to buy a summer cottage outside the city. So they would sort of, in the in the winters, they would be in the city and hang out with people and paint there. And then in the summer, they would mm -hmm. go out to this cottage and paint. And again, all three of them as a household are continuing to live together. I cannot s express how bizarre this is to me as a person. Okay, <laughs> now it's even more bizarre because they got the money. Why wouldn't the first thing her son Doobie, huh? Doobie, um, <laughs> nice. like get his own place, right? Why would you not use part of the million francs to be like, hey, you know what? I'm not gonna do. Listen to you guys boink anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think like her son's alcoholism was really bad for his entire life, oh, still, and it okay. sounds like he was never really capable of taking care of himself. Um, and Got so it. I think that is part of why. But yeah, it would still. I mean, mm. are you are you with your mom and her young boyfriend because you drink, or do you drink because you're with your mom and her young boy? Like it's hard. It's a real. That's a real cycle. Yeah. But I will say nothing would sober me up like hearing my mom get slapped from behind <laughs> by my best friend every morning. <laughs> Wow. I like, yeah, I definitely need to make some different light choices. I got to get the hell out of this house. Like, yeah, pretty much. Uh, so you guys are making the one day at a time <laughs> thing work really well, really grossed out every day, really motivating me to get it's, out of this house. Can we try better? I have money. So whoever's doing the thing, I can hear the crinkle so much. <laughs> Oh, yeah, no, I was finishing, I was closing it when I heard you say so. Okay. I'm marshmallows. No, no, oh, my God. Ooh. I love marshmallows I don't know so why much. that's, I have a that's problem. so luxurious. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute, did you just call marshmallows luxurious, Jordan? Is this a mayonnaise situation? <laughs> marshmallows are the upper crust. Oh, no, you know what's upper crust? Is those Terry orange chocolates 
where you slam oh them on God. the counter and then they break apart like little i bought six oh. of those so that i could bring them to I know Oregon you... with me I do not like chocolate and oranges, but I do feel that way about Ferrero Rocher. Oh, hell yeah. Like, like I remember when I was old enough to see those in the grocery store, and I was like, they sell these in the grocery store? Like, I literally thought they were, like, the fanciest. Like, I didn't even know where you got those. This is the height of luxury. Like, what? I seriously was like, do they... Is this like a special shipment? What's going on? Are these like knockoff? What's going on? Like, I did not know. Yeah. Okay. Let's get into this episode. So yeah. what if we just started? Uh, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, no. So, guys, I have like five more pages. I'm just kidding. We're almost done. Um, Girl. <laughs> her paintings at yeah, the I figure she could only live but so much longer. Right? She's 50. <laughs> Oh, my God. But she is getting that sweet dick. So maybe that's part of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think at this point, we've figured out how to treat syphilis. So, like, we're good to go, dude. We're doing fine. (laughs) So her paintings at this time include a lot of nudes surrounded by patterned carpets and tablecloths and drapes. You know, she definitely is not in the same financial place that she was when she was just being an artist model and i'm going to bring up one of her most famous paintings so that jordan can talk about it because i know it's her favorite and there's a lot of cool art history shit in this so go ahead jordan all right uh do you want to screen share so uh so that katrina can see it see i always do it i'm like i think you can see it you can't here you go (laughs) okay all right so we're gonna talk oh about... i love this one yeah the blue room is one of my favorite paintings of all time um and it's actually such a perfect nutshell of her thesis as an artist so mm-hmm. she was an artist model and most of the paintings of women are them as nude and it's they're they're very like supple you can get a real good handful of their skin this painting she's actually (laughs) what every male painted female nude at this time sounds like they go oh like that's (laughs) the sound of that painting (laughs) it's just like a porn dolphin. But anyway, yeah, go ahead, Jordan. No, it's absolutely, you're absolutely correct. So I'm actually going to pull up um, a different painting. Why can't I? Do you mind if I just the... describe what we're looking at real quick? Yeah, no, go for it. So in this painting, it's a woman reclining. She's not nude. She's wearing basically, they look like striped pajamas that are green and white. She has on more or less a pink tank top uh and she's reclining like is it olympia um so that actually was what i was pulling up and okay yes olympia but do you mind if i share uh yeah something on the screen real quick um so it's actually oh wait i gotta open this um this pose and it's what 
the um, it's what Olympia came from is the Venus of Urbino. Oh, oh shit, I closed it. Sorry, guys. Um, so the Venus of Urbino, let me pull this up. Uh, Venus of Urbino is called Venus. She's obviously not the uh, the Greek goddess of love, but this whole idea of women as she's got this like come hither look and she's trying to really seduce you. You can also tell that she just had sex in this painting because the bed is all unmade. Her hair is all down. She's literally got her hands in her crotch. Um, so this is kind of what the ideal of what a woman should look like. And a man would have commissioned this painting, possibly of his mistress, to keep in his office or his study behind a curtain and then he could look at her whenever he wanted and get this, like, <clears throat> titillating experience. So Olympia is a movement away from that. That's Manet making fun of this style of painting. But then Suzanne takes it even further because now you're... <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> I just, like, she does. She super does. <laughs> oh, so I realize I get really I passionate love it. about this. Um, no, I love the, it. The, the blue room takes it even further from this because, A, she's wearing clothing. Um, B, she's got books on the bed next to her. And then she's also smoking a cigarette, which yes was not allowed of women in public women were not allowed to smoke in public so she is very much showing all of these things that are not for the male gaze and she is saying well she's she's showing i am a woman this is a woman and i am safe i am clothed and this is what i look like through my eyes so it's this idea of it not just being for the male gaze it is also for it's it's the rich inner life of women. Yeah. yeah. And it's so she basically reversed the first yank bank and <laughs> turned it into being like, yeah, women also smoke and read in their pajamas. So suck on that. Yeah, yep. basically. She's I mean, what I loved about that painting specifically is just like how she's a full person you know yes, she's just yeah. not some sexual object bullshit it's pretty cool mm -hmm. um and so by the end of the 1920s things aren't going great between valadon her lover and her son and a lot of it has to do oh no <laughs> <laughs> Is this, is this relationship not going well for everyone involved? Castle priest. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I don't know why. Uh, and a big it's part so of that funny. is that her son is, for the most part, financially supporting them. I mean, she got this deal for all to to sell all these paintings, but it is her and her son's paintings combined. And it's pretty clear that because her son's paintings were more popular that that is what the gallery was mostly looking for um and the ones that they were selling more of so although Valadon is painting a lot she's now in her 60s and her body is starting to show the effects of age um she does 
This is a painting around this time, and it's one of her later paintings, and I think it's really, again, just great. Fucking great. This is her in oh. 1927. So she's 55. She's looking. You, it's like her kind of in a mirror, her face. And she's just kind of like, yeah, this is me. The strokes are really bold. She has sort of this pattern top on. The way that she's painted is very like in these like bold sort of post-impressionist swaths of color. But there is nothing particularly, I guess, feminine or demure about her in any way. Even her hair looks like it was kind of like cut by hand or pulled back messily. It's very strong. She looks kind of like a matter of fact B. Arthur. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit. Absolutely. She's, I mean, and like, it's just. Like you said, like, this is it. Like, she does have that kind of facial expression. Yes. And she's, I mean, she's just being honest. That's something that I love so much about mm -hmm. her work is at the end of the day, it's just honest. So around this time, she's painting a lot of self-portraits. She paints her dogs a lot or her pets, I should say. Um, and her husband starts drinking and womanizing a lot. The two eventually separate, although they would never. Because he's now 35. Right? <laughs> like he was so young. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she's 60, so he's 40. Uh -huh. So the, the two never officially separate. They don't actually divorce. Sorry. The two don't officially divorce, but they're separated. They're no longer living together, and he's kind of doing his own thing. Mm. And by age 70, Veladon's health is starting to decline pretty rapidly. In 1935, she enters the hospital for complications from diabetes and kidney failure. Around this time... An old friend of hers and widower, Lucy Powells, visits her and offers to look in on Maurice for her. And I guess turnabout is fair play because Lucy and Maurice get married soon after and Valadon <gasps> would express that she felt like she, quote, lost her son. Oh my God. She's 70. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah, so this lady who is like, she was kind of a painter but kind of not a painter and her husband had died and she's like oh my god you're sick like I'll go make sure Maurice doesn't kill himself and like disappear into a <laughs> bottle I guess and she's like yeah thank you so much and then she's like just kidding we're gonna get married okay and she's like oh my god how could you do this to me <laughs> how could you marry my son away from me yeah pretty much it's like girl you dated his friend like just chill out maybe and yeah he lived his whole alcoholic life watching you like you said get your groove back so like yeah let him go get laid for a little bit like in between hangovers well yeah he's you know he's a 50 what's he 53 year old man she's 70 like this is his first time getting married, which is pretty oh late, you know, for this time. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, just let him get it, man. She it sounds like she was jealous of Lucy, but also she thought she was only interested in Maurice for his money, which might have been true. Oh. But like, damn, girl, just you let it rest, you know? <laughs> mm -hmm. 
Despite her failing health, Valadon continued to paint and show her work. Between 1913 and 1932, she had 19 exhibitions, which is basically one a year, as well as four major retrospectives before her death. In 1937, the state bought much of her work and she sold three paintings and several drawings to the prestigious Musée de Luxembourg. According to June Rose, author of Suzanne Valadon, Mistress of of Montmartre, Valadon craved, quote, recognition as an artist, not personal fame, which I think is very true. Finally, on the morning of April 7th, 1938, Suzanne Valadon was painting flowers at her easel when she suffered a stroke and died. Oh. No. Yeah, she fucking went out as she wanted to. I mean, like, yeah, that's the way to go quickly and in Mm -hmm. front of a bunch of flowers. Easel. Yeah, Yeah. in front of your easel. By the time of her death, she had created over 300 drawings. 450 oil paintings and 30 etchings. Looking back on her career, in an echo of Caesar's Vini Vidi Vici, she once said, I found myself, I made myself, I said what I had to say. And that's the story of Suzanne Veladon. Oh, wow. Yeah. I I feel like that ending is just as strong as she seemed to be. Yeah, Yeah. she's just like, I mean, there are so many artists that we have because of her. I mentioned Jenny Seville at the beginning of the episode, but the fearlessness that she had to just say, like, I'm here. This is who I am. I deserve to be here and go fuck yourself. (laughs) Like... (laughs) That energy is like, I love everything about her. She was so brave in a time when women just weren't really allowed to have a place. Um, so yeah, this episode, her last words kind of make me cry a little bit. So They're incredible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's a pretty cool lady. So yeah, that's the episode, guys. Good job, Andrea. Thanks. That was awesome. Um, Yeah, I do feel like in terms of even artists and all of the feelings that we have, I can appreciate someone saying so much with so little even. So way to go, Suzanne. Thanks. Well, yeah, thank you all so much for listening to another episode of Pavant Guard. Um, if you like the podcast, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at P-O-D-V-A-N-T-G-A-R-D-E um, on yeah Instagram and Twitter. And we also have Patreon information um, in the link. And we have a Facebook group also. And that's also just Pavant Guard on Facebook. And if you like me as an individual, Katrina, you can follow me at Katrina Savad, um, S-I-V-A-Z on Instagram and Twitter and follow me on there for all my other comedy and podcast stuff. Yeah, that's uh, if you, oh, you said all the things pretty much. But if you like me as an individual human person, uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Andrea Gazetta. 
You can check out my art at andreagazetta.com. I also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash andreagazetta, where I have like exclusive stickers and stuff. I have a TikTok, that's andreagazetta, yay. And sometimes I'm on Twitter at sundresscomic if you want to come hang out, but. Mm. And I am stretching really big, sorry. Uh, <laughs> <clears throat> I'm on Instagram at the Goonie Bird, and I am on Instagram and Etsy at Goonie Bird Crafts. Uh, if you want to see all of the random shit that I do, uh, and I'm on the Facebook group. Yes, Jordan <laughs> Online. <laughs> I Jordan made Online, it. watch a cry in real time. Jordan Online. <laughs> <laughs> Jordan, that's Jordan live. You gotta pay extra for Jordan live. That's when you see her yeah, cry real time. That's, that's my only part of our only account. <laughs> Jordan live. She will have a residency in Vegas where she does indeed just cry on stage. That's Jordan live. I thought oh, it said they were tearaway pants, not tearaway. <laughs> what? Keith just brought me a coffee. It was just so sweet. He came in and. Um, while we're mid riff about how delicate Jordan is, (laughs) (laughs) she starts crying about coffee. Oh no. Oh, it was just so precious. Also, I have to say, I, I want it on the record, uh, that Katrina called me out in what has been the most brutally honest, uh, review of me as a person where she said she was not going to yes. And my tears. Wow. When did I say that? <laughs> After we finished recording the jo- the Joanna episode and you were like, I could tell you wanted to cry, but I was just like, I'm not going to react because I'm not going to yes and you crying. <laughs> <laughs> what are you, my I... therapist? I did not remember saying that. Um... <laughs> did you guys ever see Rock-A-Doodle-Doo? What is this? Is this Wait, a chicken that's the that animated movie about yes. the sexy Elvis chicken? Yes. Yes. Rockadoodle? Yes, that one. Yes. Rockadoodle. Um, I really feel like internally I am that storm scene when the farm is flooding. <laughs> that movie is intense. It's so scary. <laughs> it's in that family of like Five Goes West and all those. <laughs> oh, speaking of which, not like we have to put this on there, but yeah, really excited about this uh, episode that I have coming up. I oh, just yeah. finished last night. Katrina, uh, are you going to talk about the awesome. anim- Are you going to talk about the animators for The Secret of Nim? No, but that's only because I'm going to talk about a bunch of other animators. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited for this. Okay, this is going to be cool. We we should get out of here and end um, this episode and y- then yeah record our other yeah one. thank you all so much for listening uh have a great one we love you <laughs> we, love, we love you bye <laughs>
because Jordan, Katrina, and I are all comedians and artists who don't have any experience editing sound, and because this is a sound-based medium, we have asked an editor to help us with our episodes. Um, We had a few issues early on with some of the early recordings, and we're working on getting those sorted out. Um, And part of that is just having an audio engineer. So in order to be able to actually pay him and pay him a fair rate, uh, we're asking for your help. We've set up a Patreon, patreon.com slash podvantgard. And Our goal is that we can pay him not from our own pockets, but from the resources of the show itself, which means we need your help. Um, We're also planning on starting to release bonus episodes. We'll start with one a month. um, And as that Patreon rate increases, we'd like to eventually expand that to a bonus episode every week. And the bonus episodes will be more um a little bit more loose fit we'll be covering art uh like current events and weird things that happen because there's a lot of like weird stuff going on in the art world right now um especially around nfts especially around ai and i think it's really interesting and worth talking about but we just need to be able to pay someone to edit that bonus content um i would also say that in terms of the time cost you know katrina jordan and i all are supporting ourselves outside of this show this show takes a lot of time i'm probably spending at least three days a week with every episode just researching we're buying books um katrina's editing the time codes she's building our website she's doing all our social media jordan is also researching her own episodes and my goal for the patreon is just that it can become something that you know we're not looking to get rich i don't think that's ever been our goal i don't think we ever think that could be our goal but what i'd like to be able to happen eventually is that the patreon can become a way for us to just pay ourselves a living wage for the time that we invest into this show. My experience uh, with Cult Podcast um, is that it's really hard to make a show every single week and not have other financial resources. So what I want is that this Patreon can eventually become a financial resource for us. It can help us support ourselves and it can help us to continue putting the show out so that we don't get burnt out and want to pull our hair out. Um, we love you so much and we think that the show is really important. I personally think that we need more podcasts that cover history and art history from a feminist, anti-colonial queer perspective and that's where we're coming from as artists and as art historians and comedians we love you we love this show thank you so much for supporting it that's again at patreon.com slash and thanks guys